Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Internet? And welcome back to the Gadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. By the way, welcome back, Sherlyn. It's been a I while, know, thank right? You. Minute. Everybody missed minute. you, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, thanks a lot, everybody. <laughs> we welcome Sherlyn back, and we are back for another Apple Vision Pro chat, but uh, this is more of a hangover, I'd say, right? <laughs> like, I feel hungover after writing um, a lot about that thing. And I know um, we have a guest coming on, Mr. Scott Stein from CNET, who's also spent a lot of time with it. So we are going to dive into our like afterthoughts after the review. Um, Scott's had some really interesting ideas and things I agree with in terms of like not using this thing outside. So stay tuned for that. And we've got a, a bunch of other fun news as well. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes and drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. Also, a new thing you may be hearing this episode is uh, we're going to have some ads. It's a very common thing in podcasts right now. It's a good thing for us because it means the Engadget podcast can stick around for a little longer. So bear with us. Let us know what you think about those ads at podcastandgadget.com. All right, let's get back to the Vision Pro and... Honestly, at this point, I feel like, yeah, it's it's a hangover. Like, reviewing hmm. that thing was just a ton of work for me. I flew to New York to shoot the video. That's up now. You can all go check that out. So let's chat with Scott Stein, CNN editor at large, about his experience with it as well. Hello, Scott. How's it going? Hey, good, Devendra. Um, we, we're, yeah, we're in the hangover zone. It's good to talk to you again. <laughs> I'm still like, uh, I don't know, the, the line between reality and uh, augmented reality is kind of blurring at times. I saw some of your recent tweets, Scott, that you're basically dreaming that you you have just like lost track of what's real and what's not at this point oh i had a horrible dream last night that i was like i I knew i was in the dream but i couldn't wake up or i thought it was fuzzy and then i i left the headset on overnight and then i didn't know if it was still on and um it was (laughs) god awful awful stuff that is that is a black mirror episode right there and i will tell you like uh, i've been watching more and more uh things in the vision pro right before i have to return it uh, I just rewatched all of Sunshine because I'll be talking about that on the podcast recently. But the movie Sunshine, incredible scope, incredible like cinematic space shots and things like that. But I did start dozing off a little like when I watch stuff in the Vision Pro. And it's a weird thing because it's like, oh, what, what am I? Where where am I? It's yeah. that feeling of like, am I in my living room? Am I on the surface of the moon watching a video? Like where that whole sense of like where you are kind of dissipates. Um are you more positive now on it, Scott, than you felt during your review? Like, how are you kind of wrestling with the Vision Pro at this point? I'm kind of abiding. You know, I kind of feel like I'm in this period of like, okay, I get it. What else will there be? And and that my feeling is like, 
yeah, it's very much settling around video quality for movies and extending all your monitors and apps. And, and that's about it. And then the rest of it, you know, all the stuff we're used to in VR, um, all these other immersive things, not, not, not happening yet or very little, so, so experimental, so, so very tiny. And, and that's, that's weird. I think uh, the thing I also noticed is that I flew to New York and I flew back and I had a Vision Pro with me and I never put it on because I felt like even even in the constrained you know area where you are in a plane, I was lucky enough to be in like a two seat row, so there was more mm-hmm. room than usual around me. But I, I was also like, I don't I don't want to be that guy, and also mm-hmm. I don't think I will enjoy this experience because given plane noise and everything. To actually hear the Vision Pro, you have to put on AirPods. And then you're in this like weird, hermetically sealed like little bubble while society's moving around you. The the stewardess may like come with you for like come ask you about drinks and stuff. And things get complicated. The person next to you may need to use the bathroom and you're like strung up with a battery and maybe you have to plug it into the the power thing to charge. And like you're you're it's just so messy and not one I wanna deal with in a plane. Like, how do you feel about using it in public at this point, Scott? I felt very strongly about that I did not want to. I wrote a whole piece yes. about that. And yep. then, yeah, I, you know, I remember looking at looking at Google Glass and looking at other things like this. And like when you're testing this type of tech, Google Glass was meant to be worn outdoors or, you know, stuff like that. Even then I felt ridiculous doing it. And here it's a VR headset. So I think that's the thing that, you know, Apple will say, oh, it's not a VR headset, but it's a VR headset. It has a lot of benefits and it has a lot of extras and mixed reality features. But I, I feel the same way about wearing this outdoors as I would wearing any VR headset. And that's the part that's baffling to me is how people either be, are surprised by that or, or reinterpreting that. But I remember people wearing Quest on planes or, or Oculus Go and like a Gear VR. Um, and I kind of feel like, yeah, we're just at that point again. And it's no less weird and I, at this expensive a device, I would prefer not to. (laughs) I mean, you don't want to sit on the subway with a $3,500 headset on your head, Scott? Like, that doesn't seem like a safe idea for you? Hell no. And people yelled at me about this. Like, also, you know, like, the none of, there's so many reasons. Not only is the device, like, potentially fragile or, you you know, humiliation or it could be robbed (laughs) or whatever. There's also, like... The um, peripheral vision stuff, like people, you know, you know, there's stunty stuff, skateboarding, cooking, uh, skiing, like you could get injured. And then it's like, okay, dad, okay, boomer, okay, Ugh. fine. And I go, well, that's fine. Yes, I am a dad. I take my dad mode. Yes. Like, this is but, dad mode. Engage. Yeah. You want to yes. cr- crash? You want to you wanna bleed out with a vision <laughs> pro on your face? You want to go for it. Go, no, but not near anyone else. You just do it by yourself in a forest, you know, like, and so that is annoying. And then also none of it's designed to be used while walking around. All the yes. miming of motion, you have to take your app for a walk. You have to drag it manually or even in travel mode. It only pops up when you stop moving. So I go, what the hell? There is no, um, we live in a world, like people go, oh, you don't get it. We live in a world of smart connected devices. We look at those things. I've seen that stuff. This is not that. This is different. This is a seated experience. Okay. I had a rant. I get very fired up about I, this. I totally agree. It's it's sort of like um, the way I said it last episode, Scott. I was like, "Well, this is this is not a walk around device. Like this is this is an iPad or this is a computer, and you sit at a table or a desk or something or in a little corner and you do your work." Um, 
But listen, I, I wore it in public for a bit for our video shoot because I wanted to I wanted to mimic the Dr. Manhattan scene from Watchmen. <laughs> like I want to escape these people and their problems. So I did kind of accomplish that. But also, as I was doing that, teens would walk by and just be like, you're so cool, bro. The teens oh, were gosh. making fun of me wearing this thing. You don't want that. Uh, I crossed one street, which is a relatively quiet street, to get like a cool video shot. But that was mainly to say, don't do this. Because yeah. even crossing the street was like, okay, I'm, I'm looking over here, making sure no car's coming. It was a one-way street. But I never felt like I could trust my my vision fully because there's no peripheral. It's a little, little periscoped in. Um, it's not as good as just like not having a giant heads on your eyes. Like it, the real world has more colors and more a higher refresh rate than uh, what you get from the <laughs> screen. And people don't quite realize that. So I'm glad you uh, you wrote this post, Scott, because I was too tired to, but I have the same sort of rant in me. Uh, don't don't be, certainly don't drive a vehicle with it, but also I think just walking down the sidewalk wearing this thing is deeply like annoying um, because you can't see people near you if they need to run by you or if something happens. Like you're, you're limited in terms of what you could do. Sherlyn, I'm wondering, you've seen this thing, you've tested this thing. Would you want to use it in public anywhere? So no, my, I do have a, like a, question technical question actually for both of you so so you're telling me that the like semi-immersive sort of a, like you can transparency mode this thing visually that doesn't quite work for peripheral vision slash like when you're out and about really right like well, you can't have these enough. floating app windows in front of you while they you're go like away. traversing they the go away or they stay pinned where they were so like if you or in Times Square and you like open a bunch of apps and then you walk, they're yeah. just going to stay there at that corner, you know, like, and then you're, you're like, goodbye, goodbye apps, you know, and I, at some point, if you walk far enough away, I don't know what happens, but in my house, they kind of like stay upstairs, you know, or- Oh, so they're spatially locked. They're spatially yes. locked and, and, until you turn off the headset. And so that is there. They're, they're not meant to follow you, although I think there are, people say that there are some, some apps that are being designed to potentially follow you. Um, but that would be a special use situation. And then the travel mode is only for planes. And then basically it's meant to be used in a stable thing. Like if you move any time in a weird way, it just stops all apps from appearing. And then when you stop moving, they appear in front of you again, but mm -hmm. only when you've stopped. So you'd have to like- uh, So like an- Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, it's like I, I tried walking downstairs and it was like it was like travel mode interrupted and I stopped and after like <laughs> ten seconds they like appeared again. So I feel like okay, but I'm definitely not going to go walking around doing this with my hands, you know, waving around yeah. like Doctor Strange. <laughs> oh my god! It sounds like um, it's a like anti distraction mode for driving. That sort of like, but but for the for the Vision Pro. So okay, so no, I don't want to wear it outside. But I think it's funny that like. Y'all talk about not wanting to wear it outside, and I'm I'm totally on board. I agree. But at the same time, you have all these people on launch day. Just that's the first thing they did was bring it everywhere, like just take the make the content, the spectacle make of the it. Content. They loved, yeah. right? Like there were the the pictures of people sitting on the subway with it or whatever. And Reddit was just this cannot be our future. It's so dystopian. And I'm just like y'all, this is not our future. Like chill. This is, yeah, Nobody's this gonna is a wear this outside. Of people who want to get upvotes or whatever. For the clout. It's for, for the, the clout. clout. And for showing off, and then that's it, which I don't think is the long-term use case. I don't think we're going to see this hit mainstream. I don't think – because – and I was talking to Dan Howley about this, right? Um, and I'm, I think – From Yahoo this, Finance. Yeah. yeah, Dan Howley from Yahoo Finance. It's sort of like Yahoo's our owner, parent company. But anyway, we were talking about like 
why we believe that VR headsets in general, uh, especially the ones that are as enclosed as the Vision Pro or the Quest, are not going to take off in the mainstream. And it's because even if for use cases like entertainment, when you're watching a movie, you've written about this before, Devendra, where you like you love going to the theater because of that like company, that whole like, idea of a shared experience. And you don't get that when you're wearing a headset. You just you can sit on the couch. Howley Dan was talking about his wife and him on their couch watching a movie together, experiencing it together, right? You don't do that on the couch with Vision Pros each. How do you like how do you laugh and like watch yeah. each other's expressions with a headset on? It just doesn't feel quite like it is you know, and, and that's the main use case, isn't it? The entertainment it's, use case. Well, it's meant, it's good for entertaining. It's good for working. My main takeaway is like, it's not great for living in, you know, like it's hard to drink. It's hard to eat. It's hard to like sure. share an experience with people. You could do share play, but it's not the same, you know? And, and I, I think what I was about to like, the conclusion I was about to reach too is that like, even for that one use case of like solo entertainment, right? Solo, like watching a movie in like, you know, spaces like, again, a long trip, like uh, an airplane. I can only see this coming in handy in an airplane or like, I don't know, in your room, I guess. And you just told me that you don't want to wear it in an airplane. Like it feels weirdly ostentatious, weirdly obnoxious, unless you're in the privacy. So then this is a very lonely product. I feel it's like it's a is very a, lonely product. Like that's yeah. that's the thing. Like, listen, I'm used to going to the movies alone. That's something I have to do often because my wife can't always join me and my friends can't join me. Like I do it. I learned to do it in New York, actually, like as I started movie blogging and stuff and podcasting about movies, but also at home. I'm used to watching things on my own, like in my basement. I have a home theater. I have a projection screen and all that stuff. But it still feels more isolating in the Vision Pro because you're basically locked out of the world too. Like I can't quite, you know, my cats like to sit with me while I'm watching stuff <laughs> and they don't want to be on me while I'm wearing mm -hmm. the Vision Pro, even though they'll come down and watch a movie with me in the basement. Mm -hmm. So like just navigating your world, it just feels like you're on another planet. Like one of the environments is the surface of the moon, you know? when I kind of stuck with me, it does feel like, oh, I'm just like leaving this this planet basically when I put this on. And it is weirdly isolating. As you, the video looks good. Like it is great to simulate the idea of being in the front row of a theater. I watched Sunshine that way. I watched uh, Avatar 2 that way. But it's not a great, ex like it's not relaxing mm -hmm. in the way that movies are. It doesn't feel as good. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Scott, just in terms of as an entertainment device at this point? I love watching movies and things in it. You know, at the same time, um, I have a high tolerance for VR because I realize now same, same. people go, okay, you know, and, and it may not be that you, you build it up. You know, I have no idea. Like part of me believes the sea legs and part of me is like, no, it could just be individuals and what they suffer. You know, maybe you're, you're used to walking with bad shoes and people go, oh, you could have better shoes. It's like, there's all sorts of things you kind of like adjust to in your life, um, and kind of accept, you know, so wearing a VR headset, I'm used to the display. I I love, but the interesting thing, the so I like it for that, but I don't find myself doing it all the time. And then the lonely part is interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot. Part of me was like, okay, I heard the lonely thing a lot during this early phase of the reviews, but I'm also like, it's lonely because it's a brand new device. <laughs> like it's like the first iPhone was a lonely device. Like. Um, you know, like the first of anything tends to be a pretty lonely device. But what I think is interesting is there is a loneliness to the headset as well. But I think the missing part, I keep thinking about the, the pandemic and like, I did a lot of, we all did a lot of virtual things. And I kept thinking during yes. that time, Zoom theater or, 
Zoom get-togethers, and there's there, and there's here. And some of the VR things during that period, I know you did too, Devendra. I felt like some of them were really interesting. Some of them were really clunky. Some of them- Sundance had some really good ones. Like the yeah, Sundance they were wonderful. Yeah. And, and some of them were doorways. But I just feel like it was increasingly clear to me when looking at SharePlay and playing around with that a little bit more that also Apple has not worked out the framework yet for that. And so some of the stuff they promised at WWDC with like, um, something more than those floating FaceTime windows. Apparently, that is still in the works, but no one has it yet. And that needs to happen. Because like you said, the first thing I think about when you mentioned lonely is like, well, we're all on our phones or other things. Like, couldn't we somehow like FaceTime or Zoom in or do the stuff together? And right now, Vision Pro either doesn't have that framework or it's just not... I, I tried inviting other people to watch a movie on SharePlay and it's weird. And... And then it's like, yeah, so it's just not it. And um, that's part of like what will make it feel less lonely. But it also is just a weird thing right now to wear, you know, in your life. But it'll always be lonely, right? As it is. Go ahead, Trillin. I I basically, like, as you were talking, Scott, like, there were three things that popped up for me. One, I was reminded of that time we covered Tribeca during the pandemic and you and I, like, virtually hugged, remember? And we were, like, so excited. It felt so weird but good you know and so i think there is to your point a way to like extract some sort of social value out of a vr experience and i think also related to that i think maybe meta is slightly ahead in terms of where they're going with that because meta's focus has been this not the metaverse per se but this social uh interaction uh-huh. aspect of it and i think that that's kind of missing also from the vision pro not only in the way that you talk about the share play sort of that that promise that's unfulfilled but also the the gaming aspect of it hasn't been talked about at all and i feel like gaming could be such a social like environment for people in virtual reality if they allow multiplayer um and, and i mean that was kind of like two and three for the things i want to talk about right which is that like i think there is a future and i think like you said that like we have gotten used to a lot of things over time uh we we complain a lot about i don't know touch screens versus capacity we talk, complain a lot about physical keyboards versus like touchscreen keyboards uh, and we've all just gotten used to them and as generations like pass on they will get more and more accustomed but i still think like like what i see the future of vr headsets or the vision pro to be is not like mainstream to the point of wearing them outside wearing them all the time we develop like tech neck right we i don't think that's what it is i think it's maybe like the iphone or maybe like uh, whatever other device that's always in our lives we have we all have one at home but we only put it on for like some time like use case type of thing more more like the ipad right like you can use the ipad outside but you're not going to be like walking down the street like scrolling around doing stuff (laughs) unless you're like you know tourists trying to take a picture badly like listen that happens it's annoying but we also make fun of those people and we're like listen you have a phone like take these pictures with your phone or something right it's just not the the best equivalent right what's the best i don't know that i feel like ipad would be used more than the vision pro it's your wacom tablet how about a wacom tablet which sits by your desk. You use it. You when use a doing... Wacom tablet? I get, no, okay. I don't. But I'm talking about the people who do. I don't use it. Yeah, but I know like a lot of people consoles. who do. And it's like they're doing yeah. it for specific tools and things. But I will say like the headset as it is right now will always be isolating. It's not about getting used to it. It's because it is a thing you put on your head and it blocks out the world. And until it's not quite that, like that's, that's going to be a problem, I'd say. And I think Apple has this um, thing that they've focused on a lot here. And then there was something shared online that showed like, was this like a Steve Jobs talking about like this with like years and years ago? 
about like headphones for your eyes. And I was like, I'd never seen that clip before. And I was like, you know, but I think that very much these are pitched for headphones for your eyes. And I've been thinking about that metaphor for a while. And, you know, the, the video playing part seems like this is clearly what they're going for, the audio visual quality. And then the computer part, but um, exactly, like there are other things that that this this type of like immersive landscape does that th- those aren't the only metaphors or, or uses. And I feel like you're not always going to want headphones for your eyes if that's the metaphor. Like that, you you know, you're obviously going to want to take those off sometimes. And and so I think that's or headphones for your ears, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or headphones for your ears. So I think that's you like part of. Again. Yeah, that's part of what feels like it's bound to change. And then the other part that I feel is weird is that, like you said, everybody's wearing these things outside now. I understand because people want to test them and see to some degree. And there's some, there's also people who's doing this for cloud or whatever. But, but hopefully when that dies down, that, um, you like, uh, Meta talked about this with like Michael, like M- Michael Abrash, like at, at, I, I keep thinking about what he talked about when, when I visited there and like, the the VR is the PC and the glasses are the phone and and it just seems to me like very clear when I saw this that I'm like yeah this is a home device and like don't push it someplace that you're not gonna, like I'm going to use this at my desk with that big battery pack for a little while and then take it off and that's that's how I use this thing I have found I really love the Mac extension like just taking the Mac display and like blowing it up and stuff like. Doing that while doing a standing at my kitchen counter and I have like a laptop stand and stuff like that whole setup is just like it is empowering in the way that I think the best technology can be. So like when you have when you got the iPhone for the first time or even the the first iPod, like, oh, my God, all this music here. I had I used to have like tons of CDs I had to carry around to have a ton of music. And the iPhone was just like the entire web is in my hands. And once you do that, I I was honestly thinking if Apple just sold a $1,000 headset that just expanded the Mac for like their power users, like people would buy that. Like that's all you need because it's so good. Um, It also shows off like the best multitasking parts of it too. Like I did a, I did a FaceTime chat with uh, Pranav Dixit from Engadget uh, in the headset while I was also expanding the Mac window while I also had Vision Pro apps open in front of me. And it was like, I was in like my own personal like Las Vegas or something where I just had like this huge workspace in front of me and you can't do that in any device. So being in that space and talking with like Pranav like so seamlessly, it it is, it was like he was standing in front of me too, because he was coming in from his phone. So there is room for connection here. Like you're saying, Sherlin, I think um, Meta has done more thoughtful work in terms of trying to build that, but what Apple does great is inter- is, is like user interface and user experience. So you have to like think it's going to get better over time. Uh, I want to bring up, uh, first of all, speaking of meta, uh, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg uh, posted a short video review of the Vision Pro that he shot in the Quest 3's <laughs> pass-through VR mode, which is kind of funny. And I think he makes a lot of good points because he says the Quest 3 is a better product. And that is, I think that's true. Like the Quest 3 is more comfortable. It is vastly cheaper. It's $500. Like he brings out a lot of good points. I believe the gaming stuff, um, you know, because the Quest actually has controllers, it's better for games. And there are some games in Vision Pro, but they're all like a little, they're not as like dynamic because you have to use like your hands for everything. Fruit Ninja is a little dynamic because that's a pretty simple game, but you know, you're not going to play. so cool. It's cool, oh. but it's not, it's not like great. Do you agree with Zuckerberg's uh, assessment, Scott? 
Yeah, I, I, I do. And it reminded me of talks that he had given or, or at, at like Connect or like that, again, like Michael Abrash or Andrew Bosworth. A lot of those execs would, would talk about kind of where they're at and this, they've always talked about this big roadmap and they've been laying out these thoughts for a while. But yeah, I agree. I think it's a little funny that I guess it, it you know, the, the Vision Pro has been sucking up a lot of um, exposure time. But like in the end, it's it's such a different price and such a different landscape that I feel like, you know, Meta can just continue to be what it is. And I don't think these two are really even posing tremendous threats to each other at this point. Like, so I feel like, um, but I agree that I, I, I just updated on Monday the best VR headsets and I put Quest 3 as the best VR headset. So I felt like, okay, yeah, this is yeah. exactly how I feel. Yeah. And I, I feel like I can recommend it. I already had a hard time recommending the jump to $500 for people over the quest too. Yes, agree. You know, and then you go $3,000 more. <laughs> I, I always thought that the Apple one is one that you have to get a demo of and then buy, if, if you really are dead set on buying it, buy it that you're going to be experimenting and you have a need for this or you, you know what you're getting into. So I think that um, I totally agree. Plus, like, I love the fact that for the quest, you can either look at it two ways. Oh, it's a it's trying to be everything and it's not. But if it's a game console, it it can also be a work device and other things. It would be like if your PS5 could also be like your fitness device and connect to your Mac. You know, like it has a lot of fringe benefits. So I think it's like the fringe benefit area for a $500 device is amazing, although it's experimental still. The Vision Pro alone will sell more Meta Quest 3s, which is the funny thing. Oh, like yeah. People look at the Vision Pro and be like, well, I could get this for $500. Uh, what's up, Trillin? I mean, a few things, again, is that I like, every time Scott talks, I'm like banking notes in my head. Yes, um, yeah. One, I think none of us are surprised that like Meta is better than Apple at the social aspect because of its history as Facebook. Social connection is like it's DNA kind of. Two, um, the... People who are, I think, curious about the Vision Pro who have asked me about it and like, oh, what do you think, blah, blah, And we're like, people who, as us, we're tech insiders and we have tested out VR headsets like the MetaQuest 3, et cetera. But I'm talking to people who have never tried on a VR headset, right? They have no point of comparison. And it's hard to explain to them. So I'll just be like, wow, the fidelity is really good. That's the sort of thing I, I pull up and I talk about. And I'm like, yeah, it's the best in terms of image quality for VR headsets that I've ever tried. But then for them, they have no touch point for that, right? So they the the they're like entering this cold. And so for those people to spend $3,500 on technology that they might not understand why it's better. It's not for them. It's not for them. Yeah. It's not for them. Plus it's also kind of a new frontier and it's like a brand new concept they have to like grapple with. And they will still spend money on it. Don't get me wrong. Like it's because it's Apple. But I think the, the, the other thing that like I wanted to say, and it's heartening to see that like Zuckerberg is himself trying out and playing with the Vision Pro because why? I actually really want the MetaQuest 3 to borrow some of those things and like learn how to do the vision like the sorry the finger gestures a finger detection that is really cool i think if like zuckerberg could figure out a better way of na- navigating the ui without controllers not that we want to do away completely i mean with they already have that but they would probably do better now that they see apple's right yeah. the, the, but seeing how apple has thought it through seeing how apple's vision os looks i think a lot of that if they could adapt borrow maybe learn from we it's not competition, like you said, Scott, right? But like with 
the idea of it's a competition of ideas it pushes yeah. it pushes improvement it pushes advancement and i think that's what i like to see and i mean for the longest time meta has just kind of stood alone like listen i, I like htc vive um you know i like a lot of the other vr companies but they are not like doing the standalone vr headsets or like the light and portable things as much as uh, the five standalone ones i just do not like like that company is just kind of a mess and you talk about like you didn't even mention Google experience. Cardboard. How dare you? No. I mean, that was back daydream. In the day. How dare you? Uh, Waiting for Google to, to come out. back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's <laughs> coming back. It's supposed to be Google with hardware. Yeah, I remember one uh, Google event where I was like out trying to run and get a video or picture of a prototype VR headset or something like. Listen, let's not let's never have faith in Google hardware, okay? But a couple of things I want to point out here. Things are also changing really quickly for the Vision Pro. Like in the few days that I was testing it after launch, there was a, uh, a Vision OS 1.1 developer release that made the uh, the virtual faces look better, like dramatically better. Like, I did, did you notice like a big improvement, Scott? Because I know for facial hair, it was so much better. I have not used the beta yet. I know it's that's so lame of me. I'm going. I'm going to go ahead. Come and on, Scott. Do it. I know. Like, what am I waiting for? <laughs> I was. I was. I don't know. I was burnt out. But uh, but I will do the beta. And but I've been noticing that. And like, and Apple also was like way uh, forward to admit that like that was a beta. They were like, oh, we're still working on this stuff. So I think I agree with you. Plus, like WWDC coming, the timing of this mm-hmm. product with like WWDC around the corner. I just feel like the app developers have to like transform this thing and Apple needs to work out all the kinks of the hardware and software. And it's like two weeks in. So I, or for for a weekend or whatever, I've lost track of time, but like it's (laughs) whatever it is. And it's not much. And I agree with you. There's a lot of stuff that still could be evolved here. Um, I also just think about like, you know, I started walking, having to work and thinking about the iPhone again, where it was like, Okay, so when the first iPhone came out, everyone's talking about that comparison. I don't want to talk about that comparison, but like, I also feel like I was comparing it to different products at the time. I was thinking about it as an iPod. I remember I was thinking about storage. I was thinking about like, you know, and can it be a phone? Like, it was none of the things that the apps that were transforming that space now uh, have transformed that space are about. And so I'm waiting for that. Exist, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for that in VR. And AR to see like not just the games, but like what are the whole new app categories? It's not TikTok on your headset. It's <laughs> it's like companies we've never heard right. of doing things that you go, what the hell was that? And maybe we're like a couple of years away from that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, seeing that ecosystem blow up. I remember when the first iPhone came out, I was like looking at that uh, condescendingly because I was definitely pro PC at the time, and I bought a Helio Ocean. You remember the Helio Ocean, Scott? Yeah, like that was vaguely. the one that flipped up. <laughs> and flipped to landscape for the physical yes. keyboard, and it had 3G, which the original iPhone did not. Oh God! So I was I was on 3G, and I I took it for trips to San Francisco and elsewhere. I'm like, that was a great little phone, but the iPhone probably would have been a better device, despite like being a much slower thing. Uh, one thing uh, we have a question from a listener that I want to bring up. Wes from Dallas Fort Worth says, uh, "We talked about watching uh, Avatar: The Way of Water on that thing. I said it looked better than movie theater." They're wondering, this has to be a concern for movie theaters. Any thoughts on this once the price becomes more reasonable, especially for IMAX? Uh, and second question, uh, have we seen any research on how having screens so close to our eyes for extended periods can affect your vision? I'm assuming this is also why headsets all tend to be for ages 13 and up. Um, for that first question, I, the movie theaters are not scared of this thing. But I will say uh, the IMAX app is really cool 
because it does really put you in an IMAX theater with the full scale and aspect ratio of the IMAX video. Like it looks good. Um, it feels as towering as a real IMAX screen, not a LIMAX screen. So that's good. But I also don't think like, you know, people aren't going to buy this just for IMAX. Have you tried that, Scott? Yeah, the IMAX one was really cool. Although I agree with you, like um, people aren't just going to buy it for that. And then sometimes I wondered how high res everything I was looking at really was. Yes. Like sometimes yeah. it still had a limit. Um, but but the uh, the IMAX one was really cool. Looking at movies is great. Um, I think for movie theaters, it's still a social experience. It's almost like the difference between like going it, – it's going to bring the theater part of the movie. Like the idea of theater is a communal experience. But I do think it's going to bring up down the road – so once once you have more people in these things, just like Meta's been playing around with for a while about getting people in lobbies to hang out and do things together, I think you'll start having more shared theater experiences. Like that's that's got to happen when these ha- things become more affordable. Um, for sure. I mean, are there – the, I haven't spent too much time inside VR chat, but I assume like it wouldn't be too hard to get like a VR chat experience plus bring in video that everybody can sit and watch together. Because a Definitely. lot of the South By and Sundance stuff had those virtual theaters. And at, at like the virtual Burning Man in Altspace way back, I remember doing stuff where they had like, you know, films that were playing in there and we were just, you know, a bunch of people would be in there watching. And, um, but here it's like, it, now it's like the quality is good enough that you go, okay, I would actually watch the movie. It's not just about the, the fringe benefit, like immersiveness. Yeah. The, the scope of watching something huge, I think that's undeniably great. And I did enjoy watching Sunshine and this thing and a bunch of other movies. Um, other the second question is uh do we know about like how, looking at screens so close to our eyes for a long time do we have a sense of like how that could hurt vision i will say just from my own experience testing vr headsets too i try not to do this stuff like an hour before bed mm-hmm. because it's a ba- it will mess up your head you're it's like you were looking into the sun at certain times you know and it's mm-hmm. like that will mess up your ability to fall asleep i found that to be true scott like anything you can know from your end yeah i mean i just saw this you know stanford uh jeremy balenson and and their um their let their vr research lab um had put out a paper right around the time that the vision pro came out which um i referred to in one of my pieces recently about um, the perception in in mixed reality pass-through and the sort of cognitive differences there, which is even a little bit different thing entirely than the, the screens being close. But there are a lot of different things I think about with this. So where I do try to give myself breaks, I'm realizing I'm spending more time. In mixed reality, I'm starting to spend more time. Like it's almost like I get sucked in. Uh, people have talked about a casino type effect, but like <laughs> I find I'm starting to spend like an hour and a half in Vision Pro. Which is they don't like, show you the clock, just like a casino. You no. Know, you don't see a clock. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird to say, like, I feel like the amount of time spending when I do get in sessions increases because I for, mm-hmm. kind of forget I'm in it and I start launching yeah, apps yeah. and I still see the room. But um, when I take it off, I can feel a little fatigued. I use prescription lenses. I do notice a difference in the way that I focus and do those things. I get concerned about that. Um, I think it's good to focus on thing, things in the real world and get used to the working your eyes at those distances. But also, um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns with this. And I think that's so many unknowns. Yeah. That's that's a that's a concern as as companies are start doing prescriptions and and that's like a whole that's crossing over to stuff that your eye doctor should chime in on. I uh, I did ask my eye doctor about this, by the way, about lenses and about VR headsets. And they had no freaking clue. They had and no they were idea. like a high-end, modern, it was a young guy, but he did not think about like 
what these devices right up to your eyeballs actually mean for patients. So that's weird. Same uh, but thing. what's up, Sherwin? Yeah. I mean, I will say that my most, uh, the, the, my biggest contribution to this is that like right after the Vision Pro hands-ons went up, my family, like my cousins were like texting me, Sherlyn, you're like a meme now. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Apparently there's a picture of a few of us with the Vision Pro strapped to our faces. Yes, yes. And the meme goes, 1994, parents say, don't sit so close to TV. 2024, everybody's wearing the Vision Pros like strapped <laughs> to their faces. So uh, yeah, there is concern, I think, which is funny. Just It's just funny to me that the mainstream audience immediately caught on to like that right and then the rest of us are like oh i wonder what's happening to our eyes with it like, i mean we're we're all thinking uh, listen by the so rest Apple, of us i, I mm-hmm. meant the experts right i yes. meant the optometrists and the <laughs> developers of this yeah sorry uh my son at wwdc yeah. last year by the way apple brought up the whole thing about myopia and like trying mm. to you right. know iPad be aware features. of how close ipads right. are to eyes so like they are aware that that is a problem Listen, that is probably a thing that hurt my vision early on. It's like reading books really up close at night, you know, with a flashlight. Like, that killed my eyes. So Apple is aware that that's an issue. But I do wonder, is that necessarily the same issue when, like, you're looking at the screens, but you're actually projecting forward? It feels like you're actually seeing distance. It's not like you focusing on something directly in front of you. I don't squint, yeah, when I'm wearing that. Mm. There's been concerns about that. With like Verifocal, there's been been discussions about that for years, which I haven't gotten as deep into as I should about like the need to have true Verifocal uh, displays and that, you know, when you, when you, are doing what you're doing right now that it's um, making your eyes do something a little bit different. And I just would, I do want Apple to have more guidance on this because I agree. I still am annoyed that they had uh, like doing your laundry and making popcorn as like, yes, you know, that you're doing or <laughs> spending using- time with people. No, no, no. It's a, Apple, I think Apple can't help themselves. That's the thing. Like they cannot help but sell it as this high-end lifestyle device that you'll want to have on all the time and live in it. And that's not true. Absolutely if, not if, true. If you spent $3,500 on the Vision Pro, don't you have like people you hire to do your laundry for you? You know what I mean? Like, this I'm just is, like the this disconnect. This is also true. Like you would not be the doing uh, <laughs> too much manual labor. But right. uh, yeah, I can't use it while cooking. I cannot see like how much salt I put on something. And that is an essential part of cooking. And the Vision Pro is just not sharp enough for that. Uh, anyway, Scott, we should let you go. Any any final thoughts about like how you feel about the Vision Pro at this point and what you're looking forward to testing over the next couple months? Yeah, I'm really interested in, in what apps come out for it. I'm interested in what, what developers choose to focus on. I want to see... Um, again, with the community interaction, like sharing, share play stuff and and the way that stuff works and what is Apple going to do to evolve this come WWDC, hopefully. So it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of questions because right now it just feels like the, the, the early, you know, one shoe. I need the other shoe to drop as well. It's so early. Everything is so early, which is also why I'm shocked Apple even released this thing in this state. But it is certainly fascinating and We'll have more to say on Vision Pro, like down the line. Scott, where can we find you on the internet these days? Oh boy, uh, in a smattering all over the place. You can find me at CNET. Um, I'm also on Threads at Jet Scott. You can find me on occasionally on Blue Sky and Mastodon. And I remember to go on there, Jet Scott. Um, I, I, I may be on TikTok or not. Um, you can still find me occasionally on X because um, and uh, and and that's and that's that. I don't know. And then just try that's, to find that, me somewhere on the street. Say hi. Cool. Find Scott, read Scott, you know, uh, check out Scott's reviews, and uh, we will chat again later, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, thank you, guys. It's great to be on. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let's move on to some other news. And the Arc browser is in the news, mm. specifically because they launched a, a little app that I think a lot of people initially enjoyed. Uh, the browser company launched a new iPhone app called Arc Search last week. And it's basically an AI-powered search. So if you type in the search entry, it will deliver summaries of like what you're asking. And if you tap into any aspect of those summaries, you get a stripped down version of a website with no ads and, uh, you know, it blocks uh, cookies and trackers by default as well. So like a clean version of the web. And when this mm -hmm. launched for them, like people were excited. They were like, hey, yeah. somebody's cleaning up the Internet. Yeah. I think now <laughs> we're having a little more thought about this. Um, our colleague Pranav Dixit uh, wrote this piece called Who Makes Money When AI Reads the Internet for Us, which I think is something... That's worth thinking about because, uh, yeah, if you're killing the ads, you're killing the revenue models of websites. That seems like it could it could mean like, like the ads that are going to be appearing in this episode. If those ads disappear, if nobody's watching them, uh, that could mean bye bye for that website. And what do we do then? Like, what do you think about this feature overall, Sherlyn? I mean, I can't I think the feature itself is it's complicated. It seems like something that, you know, being in BART or well, being in Gemini are supposed to do with their, like, you know, generative AI, right? So Microsoft and Google. But not that, not that, like, if you click into those, they send you to a website. They don't send you to the stripped down version of the website with no ads and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I, I think I'd have to, like, spend more time testing it and comparing it to really see how they compare. But I think more, it's, it's the broader question. And I actually really love the headline of the story of, like, who makes money when AI reads the internet for us. It is going back to the AI companies who are already the massive giant conglomerates that we know they are. And I, I have all these like very complicated feelings about like ad blockers and like that sort of stuff where like if you remove all of that, it is a better user experience, right? And like I I want I'm all in like support of that. I want I, I want to advocate for that. But I do agree that like, yes, as media companies, as a person who works for a media company, that's where we make money. So like my question is instead of fearing Oh, my my approach, and I don't think it's as simple as what I think it, it boils down to, but why don't instead of we think of, you know, instead of like fearing the end of ads and money for us, why don't we think about other ways to make money? Like that's, I think, idealistic of me, but like that's where I'd rather, you know, spend energy focusing and thinking about like coming up with new revenue models that are So you want to give up well. and let AI take over, Shirlin? You're no, just like, no, hey. No. I want to you find win. a way to make AI make the money for me, but in a way that's ethical uh -huh. and of high quality, you know? And I don't know I mean, that... that's, that is the dream, right? And it is, you yeah. see websites doing that right now. Um, listen, Engadget and a lot of other sites also make money off of affiliate links and things, which, which mm -hmm. is why you see deals on our sites. And we work really hard to make sure those are like high quality deals that also actually interest people. We're not just like spreading crap out there. Like there are yeah. other ways to make money. I think the thing that kind of annoys me here, and Pranav did a really good job of kind of uh, bringing together the issues around it, but specifically, um, Mr. Josh Miller, who's the CEO of the browser company, 
just seems like, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to see what happens. It seems like he does not have answers in terms of like what removing the ads and things like that from the internet could mean. Um, he told Casey Newton on Platformer that, uh, you know, generative AI presents an opportunity to, quote, shake up the stagnant oligopoly that runs much of the web today, end quote. But he also admitted that he didn't know how writers and creators who made the actual website that his browser scrapes from would be compensated. So this is like the forever issue with AI, right? Like these people, want, the AI companies and the people building AI features want to just like access all this stuff. Give me all your stuff. I love it. And I will make it easy for other people to read. Uh, except who pays the digital creators? Who pays the artists You know that AI is scraping from? Who pays the writers that uh, AI is building language models on? Like this is a deep-seated issue around AI in general. But right now, this specific one we're talking about is like our bread and butter. It's it's the internet. It's websites. Um, it's, it's funny. Uh, Miller declined to speak to Engadget. The browser company also didn't respond to our questions. Um, Pranav did quote him. He was on a recent episode of The Verge Cast. And uh, he said, I think it's absolutely true that arc search and the fact that we remove the clutter and the BS that makes you go faster and get what you need in a lot less time is objectively good for the vast majority of people. And that it is also true that it breaks something. It breaks a bit of the value exchange, he says. We are grappling with the revolution with how software works and how computers work. And that's going to mess up some things. So I suppose that that is true. But it also does kind of remind me of like when Uber and a lot of the companies yep, come in and be like, hey, and, we, yep. hey, we want this. I want, I want this. I want to make cabs work like this. I don't care about your regulations or about the way, uh, you know, the cab model works in your city. I'm just going to break it and I'll let the tech decide. Like, we'll see what happens. And to me, that's a little worrying. Um, and I, you know, I agree. I agree. Like the ad stuff can be bad. Like if you look at a lot of sites, especially on mobile, it is often tough to see oh, like the content yeah. beneath video ads, beneath pop-up ads and all sorts of stuff. I think Variety is one of the sites I hate going to yep. on a mobile browser There's because so it's like impossible to read. That are just awful. Like for yeah, you're right. The 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 pop-up, the like then the video one that sticks at the top and then the bottom one that peeks out and then um the cookies and then, warning. And then so like the, the entire warning. page is yeah. covered. Jesus. And then, like, a lot of times, if you try to hit the X, that just launches the ad anyway. And I think that's kind of a trick just to make it It's a trick because they deliberately, yeah, it feels deliberately yeah. obfuscated or made, the targets made very small. There are absolutely problems on all sides. Like, I have been, you know, when I work at other sites and, like, they have talked about doing more invasive ad plays and stuff. Like, I have always been the one to been like, we don't need to do screen takeovers. We don't need to, like, make the experience so much worse for people because that could lose you readers, too, in yes. addition to making more money. Go away. So, yeah. Yeah, there, there is definitely a balance in terms of how the web is presenting ads, how media companies make money and everything. But I also think the AI companies are kind of just doing this thing and being like, well, this this makes it better for our users. Therefore, it is better for everybody. And I think that is a little bit of a problem. No, no, no. I'd it's better for you. their users. Therefore, it's yes. better for their revenue. Like, I, to me, this I is all about money always mm -hmm. for, for big businesses like that. But well, it's on, about sorry. money. It's about user share too. Like if the Arc browser becomes the de facto AI browser, then, you know, that's good for them. Um, he basically compared, uh, the CEO compared Arc Search uh, to like what Craigslist did to the business model of print newspapers where Craigslist was cheap online listings, you know, which took over the classified like, ads yeah, that exactly. newspapers Killed made a lot of money from. Yeah. Kind of true. Absolutely true, but also Craigslist is like one of the rare examples of like a good internet outfit, which it's free. yeah, it's it's free. Like they never went overboard. Like the design is still in the '90s, basically. Like uh, yeah, 
And Craig they Newmark has done so much for journalism. They never killed it with pop-up ads or whatever, right? Like, yeah. It, but that's a rare at, thing. Because greed didn't take over, I don't think, right? It wasn't... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what happened with, like... I remember I was... I'm old enough to remember when the internet had a lot of stupid actual pop-up window ads, like separate windows that you had to then close. And, like, now we've gone to the worst version of it, which is it pops up within the article, and then the X is hard to find. And I can't just, like, all F4. I have to, like, hunt for the... Anyway... I'm describing. Mm-hmm. I think there is, there are a lot of like issues around it. I don't know that there is a, a, an elegant approach. I think what the best way, in my opinion, is always to have all stakeholders come in chat, see what the best way is. So, for example, if you look at Uber, your example from before, especially in New York, they had a huge pushback from like the New York Taxi Drivers Guild, and un- until today, I don't think there's like a like a you know happy like solution no, but uber has to work within the rules of new york taxi Commission. yes which is good so i think like I normal think, people can't be drivers i mean yeah. I, I don't know if it's necessarily good in the sense that we're still paying we're still caving to the rich medallion owners who like you know want to hold on to their wealth but if i the the, the good thing what i do see with uber in new york city is that now yellow cabs are actually like integrated into the uber network so sometimes you might get a yellow cab if you book an uber within uh, the city so there are ways i think around it but then they had to go through that uproar that conflict that sort of thing before this happened why couldn't you just sit and talk in the first place well, find a good resolution i mean that that involves work Shalim. that involves, that involves like, you emotional know. intelligence and i don't yeah. think a lot of these people running these businesses have any of that it's really Do you remember annoying. what happened with uber at the beginning like how they were just killing all the other taxi startups like the whole thing about new york and i always like i like taking ubers and lifts in new york because like you don't get randos in their toyota corollas you know you get somebody who's at least like hey this person has been vetted as a yeah. as like they know how to drive they've been vetted as a as a taxi driver it's at least more than just a rando person just who just uh, started using Uber that day. But it was a big thing because, yes, random people in New York cannot just become drivers. You always get like a licensed person and it all kind of works together. The, the taxi medallion system, it's a whole thing, but it's also it has been for a lot of people a gateway for immigrants to make money and to yeah. gain wealth in a city that never like rarely Supported made it. that yeah. possible for people. So like there's there's all sorts of systems. I will say personally, I've never used ad blockers. Because I've always kind of been aware of the problems. Like if everybody used ad blockers, then your favorite website will die. Like something I, I want to keep saying over and over again. If like if you love something, you should try to pay for it. If you love something with ads, you should suffer through the ads and maybe occasionally engage with those ads. I don't know. But if you hide from the ads and don't be surprised, like if what you end up seeing is other content like affiliated content that makes your favorite website much worse you know if you see them trying to do other things to make money because you're you're kind of choking a revenue stream there and that's not great for anybody it may make your web browsing easier but it slowly kills like the things you love i I understand where you're coming from i think my take is still like i i agree i understand what you're saying i just think that maybe like we what we as revenue makers need to do is find other ways to make revenue in, a, uh, in addition to yes. ads, maybe like to make sure uh-huh, it doesn't take uh-huh. over the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is the thing. But also there, it's a sad thing that ads do kind of rule the world, too. Like ads, especially online, are pretty much dominated by Google. That's and there is the there's is a too, yeah. certain yeah, a certain amount of, hey, pushback like there there's regulation that probably should have happened long ago in terms of how much Google controls that stuff. Like that is a bigger discussion. But I don't think this app is out here like trying to really um, it's claiming it's a force for good. But on the whole, like if everybody started using the Arc browser, 
it's a bad thing for your websites, yeah. unfortunately. So, yeah. yeah. Totally agree. Speaking of cab news, we also saw a story uh, last week about an angry mob in San Francisco setting a Waymo self-driving car on fire. And I totally understand why this can happen. Like there has been an ongoing fight between, uh, you know, California protesters and self-driving cars, especially people in San Francisco. But this is where I say people, people. I understand you're frustrated with these things, but do not set an electric car on fire because electric fires are really bad and hard to deal with and uh it requires a lot of like firefighters just to even calm the thing down and a lot of like toxic materials and this crazy ass heavy blanket that takes several people to put on something just to smother it from a future fire uh it's bad electric fire is bad uh certainly an issue with electric cars shillen what is your thoughts uh what are your thoughts I- about this story I just found it ridiculous and funny. I mean, for me, it was just like, yo, it's Chinese New Year. What the hell is going on? And <laughs> They want Sanford, some fireworks, Sherlyn. Sure. It just felt people were so angry. And then I think all the sentiments I've been reading around this, what was happening there, is that of all places for it to happen, San Francisco, mm-hmm. the place that is so packed and so easy to just catch on fire and spread. This is true. Fires like, have been a thing in San Francisco. Yeah. Yes. For you to like set a fire in San which is also like San Francisco is there also one of the more like techified places in the country. So like I kind of get where the frustration is. And then we have the homeless situation. You know, a lot of things are going on in that city, but but this decision was not made with a lot of forethought, obviously. Um, I, I totally get it. Like, listen, I'm not I'm not one to tell protesters that they are doing the bad thing, right. especially when people right. are doing like the blocking traffic stuff. Like, listen, there's a reason people do that because it gets attention. Uh, but this also follows like people putting the cones on the on the uh, self driving cars and stuff too, right? To like sabotage that's, them. That's more yeah. neutral, right? I feel like that's less harmful potentially to an entire city that will I catch mean, on fire. Hopefully, if you if you block a self driving car sensors and then it goes off and like plows into pedestrians. I, whose fault is that at that point? I don't know. It's kind of a thing. But uh, I can understand why people in San Francisco are frustrated because, first of all, these things are out here just being tested on their roads, blocking traffic, doing all sorts of issues, you know, wreaking issues without fully working together with the city to get approval for things like this. Didn't, so, did, wasn't there yeah. news also that like Waymo had to recall cars this week? Yeah, it showed a recall after two robo-taxis crashed right. into the same pickup truck. <laughs> uh, the news was only like from yesterday. So it's fairly that, yeah. recent. Uh, and, and the, I mean, you know, it shouldn't have happened. So like, I can get why people are upset if like these self-driving cars are going about causing frustrations because traffic already drives most people mad. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a thing like, listen, I am, I'm in the unfortunate position of being like, I really want self-driving to be a thing, but I'm also aware of the environmental impacts and all the, like the stupidity of these companies just kind of, again, like the Uber thing, throwing these things on the road and like, just waiting to see like how it messes up with uh, local and federal regulations and things yeah. like that. So zero forethought, no like let's let's talk to people about how to properly implement this stuff. Yeah, very much because they want to be first. Everybody wants to be the first to have the first perfect self driving cab and the first perfect self driving algorithm, and that uh, humans unfortunately like get in the way of that unchecked progress. Uh, have you heard about this app called Kimmy? Nope. <laughs> it was a piracy nope. app that was kind of ingenious because uh, it was disguised. It was on the App Store. It was disguised in the app that tests your eyesight by making you play uh, the Spot the Difference uh, game and different photos. And I know you like those random games. I love like. those. I but love it was actually... Those. It was actually a piracy app that let you like to start playing something <laughs> at the press of a button. 
And it got to a point where it became more popular than Netflix's app on the App Store. And then Apple saw what was happening and pulled it. But just kind of hilarious. I, I don't think we have like a special, I don't know, like a, any broad takeaways from here. But it is funny to see like this thing sneak in and get through Apple. I think the, um, I think the broad takeaway mm-hmm. is that like for all its attempts to like really police the App Store, the App Store still has like and suspicious apps and a lot of trash games especially if you go all the way down past the first like 20 or something so oh absolutely absolutely and also like it shows you that piracy is still a thing that people will will jump on like it's it's not going away anytime soon uh it is funny like uh, when i was younger I, I was very aware of what was going on in the piracy scene because that was often the only way to get things certainly for like um fan subbed anime right that didn't exist in the u.s it didn't have distribution like certainly that, that was a thing but also I, when I was a high schooler and college kid with without much money, like I download videos all the time. And now that tech has gotten to the point where people can get like the, you know, the specially hacked uh, fire sticks or whatever with the piracy apps. And I'm just not interested in those at all. I know. It's just kind of funny. But my my like older, my aunts and uncles and older family members will somehow get these things. And that's how they watch content. Just wild to me. Right. Just wild, like how yeah. that all flows up. You probably have family who have these things too, Sherwood. People have it. All the aunties and uncles are onto it. And it's kind of funny. Yeah. I, mine are the aunties and uncles who don't know tech whatsoever. They're still listen, on, like, listen. Mine people. aren't either. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing with a piracy box in your living room? And it's because they're like son-in-law bought it and like set it up for them, right? But, Someone else somewhere, yeah. Did somebody this, else yeah. set it up, but it's so easy to use now that they don't have to know about seeding torrent or like un- unzipping like Usenet files and stuff. Like it is so easy now. So I'm not surprised an app snuck into the app store to make this happen. Did you see the story about the whoops of the week, Sherlyn? I which did. Is it was a story um, about lifts. Um, so apparently, during Lyft's earnings and a type on the earnings report. Uh, caused Lyft shares to skyrocket nearly 70% after Tuesday's closing. Uh, There was an extra zero in the report that suggested a 5% margin expansion in 2024 instead of a 0.5% margin expansion. So that's a big difference. Yes. 50, it was 50 basis points uh, versus 500, which was what was written. And uh, Lyft corrected that like in the earnings call. But that typo was in the press release. It was on the slide deck that people saw. And investors just like tore into the company because of that. Um, we all make typos. But this this may be the most single, like the single most uh, damaging typo, certainly yeah. of the year. I don't know if anybody's going to beat this this year. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> it's totally, totally wild. So even like accounting for the issue, like, uh, you know, the stock increase, like apparently Lyft stock also did really well after the earnings report, but still just kind of wild. And I don't know, everybody makes typos. See, obviously. I mean, this is the sort of mistake that I made when I was working for my dad at 12 years old, right? <laughs> like instead of ordering a hundred parts, I ordered a thousand by accident. And my dad was really upset. And he was How like, you know happen? the difference of zero? I don't remember. I, I was, oh, I was copying, I was reprinting like data entry. I was doing data entry. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, uh yeah, entering yeah, stuff yeah. into an excel sheet and i did um po's i read the po wrong or something i don't know and your dad has never forgiven you yet trillin i'm very sorry. exactly that's why i have no love oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to some stories from around and gadget i just want to highlight uh nathan ingram deputy editor uh wrote about mario versus donkey kong he reviewed that game 
I'm still like unclear what this game is, but it looks like it looks like a cute 2D Mario game with like Donkey Kong elements in it. It is a very weird thing to see soon after Super Mario Brothers Wonder came out. But uh, are you you have a Switch, Sherlin? Are you interested in any of these games at this point? Haven't played a game in a very long time that was not like Vampire Survivors, which by the way I just repicked up and have been playing. Good game. Um, yeah, or or yeah, or any like dumb Candy Crush type game on my phone. So no, I haven't played this at all. I think you will like Mario Wonder. That is a very good like traditional Mario game, but also so cute. And so, like, full of whimsy and things. Are there any things uh, from Engadget that you'd like to highlight? Yeah. So I want to shout out um, Billy Steele reviewed the Bose Ultra open earbuds for us uh, this week. The uh, It's basically like these open style headphones that, you know, a lot of different companies have tried. I don't think anyone does them better than, say, Shox, which has like bone conduction style headphones. But this uh, is Bose's uh, attempt or approach. And it apparently looks really well, it's it's. I don't know if it's good necessarily looking, but it's conspicuous. It's um, <laughs> and if you want to, you know, have headphones so you can like remain aware of your surroundings while still listening to some music or take your calls, you could use something like that. So check it out. And then I also wanted to shout out. I was just going to our website and I saw this headline, and I needed to shout it out because it's a really good headline. Uh, the headline says, "You've tried plant-based meat, but here come meat-based plants." <laughs> And I just... That's pretty good. It's because what? of the beef rice, right? It's the beef rice. Beef rice. It is rice South Korean researchers who have, exactly, who have infused actual rice grains with cow muscle and fat cells. I mean, here we go, keto, you know? So <laughs> I, it's I bright pink, by the that. way. It's um, bright pink, <laughs> like slime. That's right. Uh, just go okay. to our website. Check out this article. Hilarious. I can't. That's, I can't. I can't. I, I don't can't. want to. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to what we're working on. Anything you want to shout out, Sherlyn? Catching up from taking the week off, which was nice. But uh, I have I have some articles I'm writing. A lot of things we're editing and doing, like organizing in the background. I'm sure Devendra and I are working on some of the similar things uh, that y'all will see soon. Bunch of, bunch of different things. I will be reviewing the XPS 16, the new one from Dell, the new like middle-sized one. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I've got a bunch of things to review, like once my brain kind of settles down, like that's been tough after Vision Pro. Um, But, you know, I'm getting there. Let's move on to pop culture picks. What do you got for us this week, Sherlyn? Yeah, uh, I don't, I have like a couple to about three things. So, and I'll try to make it quick. Number one, I just, this was more of a warning than it is a pick. It is me being extremely frustrated because I got a notification well i i tried to sign in on my hulu and it suddenly was like pushed out so i was like what happened i get hacked right signed back in had to change my password because i forgot you know obviously passwords changer my password like manager i didn't forget actually i was forced to change my password even though i knew it was correct whatever and i know like in the back of my mind i was like oh i know hulu and disney kind of recently like you know merged everything into one account so maybe that's why fine whatever but then i went back to the disney app and couldn't sign in and it was probably i was like oh is it because i changed my hulu password when i was forced out and had to change my disney password could not sign in no matter what password or account info like i used Listen, and just no was marvel stuck in for you stupid disney has locked you out 
I'm sorry. Yeah, despite me paying, I think for both separately. Mm-hmm. By the way, which I, I still do that. Yeah, unfortunately. yeah, I still do that, which is bullcrap because <laughs> well, I pay yearly for Disney and I pay at, like monthly for Same. Hulu, Same. so I think that's why. Yeah, I pay for anyway, ad-free Hulu, which is not in the bundle. I think. Yeah, I do exactly, yeah. and that's that might be why. So anyway, whatever it is, all I'm saying is it is frustrating, right? But then when I thought back to what might have caused this to happen, I realized that like a week ago, something like that. I went and tried out the Hulu beta experience within Disney Plus. And I think that that's what pushed me out of my accounts on both ends altogether. Because they have to like find some kind of credentials to like match. I don't know, whatever happened there. Basically, here's my warning to you. If you're on the Disney Plus app and you also have a separate Hulu account, uh, do not try Hulu beta. Just do not. <laughs> it looks tempting. It looks like you it could go tempting. watch like a bunch of reality TV shows within the Disney Plus app. Mm-hmm. Just freaking do not do it. Anyway, that's my Word of advice, caution. I, I do want to add to that, Sherlyn. Like, remember when Disney Plus launched? I used to have these weird, like, login issues, and it was also yes. because it was because I was on like the the Media Tester app or something, and they didn't carry oh. everything properly. So I think they have like a really weird and fragile account system <laughs> yeah. or something. So like, any weirdness will could mess you up entirely. So okay, exactly. I'm glad you figured it out. Yes. So 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 pay attention. Anyway, so my my two like more pop culture-y things. One is I finally got around to like watching Inside Out. I mean, related to Disney. Uh, and it's really good. <laughs> okay. it's I cute. cried like a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been spending a lot of time catching up on Disney's old catalog recently. So that's what I've been doing. It's very heartwarming. And then the other thing is um, the actual pick for everyone this week, the Dear Therapists podcast. So I've been a big like fan of Lori Gottlieb since I first read her book, uh, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Uh, I read it back in 2019. So Lori Gottlieb is a licensed therapist who writes for The Atlantic. Uh, she has a Dear Therapist column where she answers people's um, write-ins and stuff like that. So the Dear Therapists podcast is her and uh, this other person called Guy... Last name I have forgotten. And uh, they basically, for, for about three seasons now, uh, address people who write in. Basically, it's an advice column in spoken form, but by two, like, really, to me, very capable therapists who, like, very quickly get to the heart of the issue. And I think it's because they've had time to, like, you know, talk to people and that sort of thing. Um, Lori Gottlieb is uh, accompanied by Guy Winch on the podcast. Thanks to our producer, Ben, for pointing it out. Um yeah, so I mean, I think I think it's really great for me. I cry like a baby um, when I listen to some of the episodes that like really struck a chord with me. And it not only just is fun to listen, right? But it's also like you learn something about yourself, I think. So if you're, you know, if you've always been curious about therapy and whether that would be beneficial to you, but you don't have the access to it or you don't want to do it just yet, this might be like a way to dip your toe in. I think it's really interesting to like just see how people react and respond and the sort of like things people are dealing with in their lives that might be similar to yours. We are all going through something. So we are all going through something. Yeah. This is sort of like why I like reading advice columns in general. I I do too. Yeah. Yeah. A good advice columnist is somebody who is deeply like empathetic and can say a lot of interesting things that end up applying to your life too. So yeah, totally down with this. Thanks, Rowan. Yeah. Check it out. I'd want to recommend um, Tokyo Vice. Season two of Tokyo Vice just hit HBO Max. This is a show that premiered um, two years ago, actually, 2022. And I really enjoyed it. It's about an American reporter who goes to, uh, who is based on a true story of Jake Adelstein, who is an American reporter who moved to Japan, 
learned to speak and write Japanese well enough to be like in one of the major you know, newspapers. He was the first foreigner to be employed by a Japanese newspaper, and he dedicated himself to writing about the Yakuza and the kind of underworld of Japan because the 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 line from the country was like murder does not happen in Tokyo, except well, it does, but they nobody talks about it. So yep. he kind of uh, built a point. career on that. He built mm-hmm. he wrote a book called Tokyo Vice and the show is about sort of about his experiences, but also is like a highly dramatized like Yakuza story. I think it's really, really good. Um the first season it was also produced uh even this season was produced by Mr. Michael Mann, who I also love as a director and he did the pilot. Um great like great characters. It's a great exciting journalism story like that's what's cool about it it's almost like the wire at times it's almost like it's about reporters like finding clues and doing like intrepid work and also working together with cops at times but also to solve like big like major crime issues too and it's fascinating to see like how things are different both journalistically and in terms of crime fighting uh between the u.s and japan Uh, the characters are great ken watanabe co-stars in this oh i love Um, I love him. He is so good. Mm-hmm. He is a, he's a cool older detective who has like a shiny red sports car and like he's just so cool. There's a there's a thing about Michael Mann projects I love, which is like the sense of coolness. And this show certainly gets that. But also it's a sort of show where, you know, the lead character and a yakuza, his one of his yakuza, yakuza friends can sing Backstreet Boys in a car, you know, <laughs> in karaoke Backstreet Boys like they are bros to the point where they can sing to each other. So I really enjoy it. I think it's really, really good. So yeah, check out Tokyo Vice. It's on Max right now. I had one thing I forgot to recommend this week, and I want to jump in really quick because I, I think it's I think it's also something you have maybe heard of and like and might respect me for it. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> okay, so my friends and I are doing this thing where we watch one like Oscar nominee for Best Picture every weekend. So this is one of them. Uh we went and watched all the trailers, and that's how we tried to decide like which one to watch that like this past weekend and we were all like in the mood for something uplifting happy whatever so of everything that was uh-huh. like up for um, uh-huh. uh, uh, uh so not the award, zone of right? interest which is not zone of interest yeah. not anatomy of a fall <laughs> i, I didn't want to really watch the like whole anatomy of a fall but yeah i think i would too but i needed i wanted something very uplifting anyway so we landed on based on the trailer american fiction it's really the, good. The, yeah. the trailer for American Fiction was like hilarious. We're like, yes, it seems like a fun ride, bro. <laughs> it was not. It was not all the way fun in games. It was definitely not all like the way. quite yeah. emotional, but there were fun moments. And it's actually a really important story. Um, and and uh, it's basically the tale of Th- Thelonious, played by Jeffrey Wright, uh, who who is a like a, an author, right? But then like who just writes really good fiction. But then it's finding that um, people want uh, stories or books written by black authors who pander to a very, like, non-black audience. Um, And then puts out a joke piece of work and finds that people are taking him seriously with that. So it stars Jeffrey Wright, Sterling K. Brown, Erica Alexander. I loved Issa Rae in it. I loved Tracy Ellis Ross in it. So a lot of great names. Uh, The story is really engaging, intriguing. Definitely not, like, don't get... Uh, fooled by the trailer like me and my it's friends a fam- did. It's not- it is actually a family drama disguised as like yeah. this very broad comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that hilarious all the way. It is, it's quite, um, you will feel feelings um, and they're not all like 
always laughter. Um, it deals with quite a lot of different themes, not just that like prevailing theme of like pandering to a white or non-black audience with like literature and that sort of stuff. So if you're in the mood for something really high quality, yeah, definitely check out American Fiction. So are you, re- uh, did, did you respect my choice? No, I, I respect that- your choice. It was one of my favorite <laughs> movies of last year. And I think Cord Jefferson, who wrote and directed this thing, um you know he won an emmy for his watchman episode like he has been involved in like so many things i love so first of all uh again one of the most successful bloggers like uh shout out to the blogging crew who have life beyond blogging uh yeah. jefferson kicking ass yeah. and i yeah. dig it um great movie Sherlyn. and i have other recs for you if when you want like light and fluffier stuff um but there are also so many super depressing ones among the yeah, oscar picks this year so you know, be ready, everybody. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Trillin. And I want to know what our readers are into or if you're enjoying our picks. Drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at at Devendra on Mastodon and Blue Sky and all the fun places. If you want to tell me like the funniest places you think someone can wear an Apple Vision Pro, you can send that to me either at Sherlyn at Engadget.com or hit me up, I guess, on X at Sherlyn Low or better yet, on threads at Sherlynstagram. C-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N-S-T-A-G-R-A-M. Email us your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes or wherever you're listening and subscribe on all the podcast platforms. Funniest place to watch a Vision Pro, Sherlyn, at the urinal. I think that would be that would be the Can most like hard the thing to walk into, like either somebody wearing a Vision Pro and you try to go pee and I don't, what's happening here? Am I being recorded? Anything? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like just someone like trying to like color a uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. circle with their pee. Stream, they're they're peeing, know? but they're also finger gesturing.